All right, well, good morning, and it is so good to be back with you today, and I'm excited to be kicking off a brand new teaching series today. Uh, for the next few weeks leading up to Easter weekend, we're going to be walking through the life of Abraham together, and uh, here's what this series is, is really all about. Here's the heart behind it, cultivating a faith that follows the Lord, Cultivating the, the kind of faith in our lives that responds in obedience to God's call on our lives. Whether what God is calling us to, inviting us to make sense or not. And we're gonna see God begin to grow and to cultivate a faith in the life of, of Abraham. We're gonna see him inviting him to things that are gonna require incredible acts of faith and obedience. And we're gonna see Abraham through, through the good, through the bad, through mistakes, through success, through failure, God is going to grow and strengthen his faith. And the act of faith that we're gonna see Abraham take in a few weeks uh, is, is evidence of the growth that has taken place in his life. Well, last week, we looked at the, the story of the, the Tower of Babel, how all the people on earth, how they had gathered together to build this city, to build this tower. They all spoke the same language, and they didn't want to be scattered. They didn't want to be separated, because the Bible tells us they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to be a big deal. They wanted to be great and to be famous in their eyes, but it says that God came down to look at their little city, to look at their, their, their little tower, and he confused their languages and he, he, so that they couldn't communicate with one another, and he scattered them throughout the earth into different people groups, different ethnicities, different nations, different languages. He scattered them. But this wasn't so much an act of, of punishment from God. It wasn't so much a, an act of, of judgment. It was actually an act of grace, because if left unscattered, these people would have continued to exalt themselves. They would have continued to, to look to themselves for their salvation, but they would have been unable to save themselves. God scattered them in order to save them, in order that they would find their ultimate hope, their ultimate fulfillment, not in themselves and their accomplishments and their achievements, but that they would find their hope and their fulfillment and him. And that's where our story is going to pick up today in Genesis chapter 12. So if you've got your Bible with you or you've got the Bible app, I'd encourage you to, to open up there. And what you'll notice in Genesis chapter 12 is that there's a, a change in the, in the narrative. There's a change in the, in the story. Up until this point, chapters 1 through 11, it's really been a, a, a story of the entire world. Like we've had some key characters like Adam and Eve and, and, and Noah, but it's really been a zoomed out macro view of, of the world. And it's a story in the first 11 chapters that has moved really quickly. Like we've covered thousands of years of history in just 11 chapters, but here in chapter 12 there's, there's a change. The story zooms in on, on one man, on one individual, this guy named Abraham. And the story begins to, to slow down. And for the rest of the book, rather than covering hundreds and thousands of years, it only covers a couple of generations. We start to look at Abraham and his sons and his family, and we see God beginning to work his plan of salvation through human history. And that's where our story picks up today. In Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this. 
The Lord said to Abram, and eventually his name will become Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, leave your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So God comes to this man named Abram. He singles him out from, from all the people on the earth and he gives him this very simple and clear command, you need to leave. Leave your, your family, leave your home, leave your, 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 your country and you need to go to a land that I will show you. You need to leave and you need to go. And this was a, a command from God that would require an incredible act of faith from Abraham. Because this was a command to move from what was comfortable and safe and secure to something that was, was uncomfortable. It was a command to move from what was familiar and known to the unknown. Because notice, God doesn't tell him where he's going. He simply says, you need to go and I will show you where you're going. He doesn't give him a roadmap to follow. He doesn't give him a list of, of steps and instructions on how this is all going to play out. He simply tells him, Abraham, you need to leave. And you need to go to a land that I will show you. And Abraham, he, he's in this moment, he's going to have to trust God. He's going to have to take him at his word. He is going to have to have faith. And why does he need to leave? What's this, the, the, the purpose behind this command that God is giving him to leave and to go? It's because God is going to make him into a great nation. He's gonna bless him. He's gonna make him famous. And why is he gonna do that? So that he will be a blessing to others. It says that ultimately all families, all people on earth will be blessed through him. He will be blessed to be a blessing. And you see, this idea of, of blessing, it's a, it's a major theme throughout the, the book of Genesis. Because back in the beginning of the book, in the garden, what we see is God created mankind, God created Adam and Eve in a blessed condition, in a blessed state. They had perfect harmony with God. They walked with God in the garden. They had perfect harmony with, with one another. They had perfect harmony with, with this world. But when they sinned, when they rebelled, when they tried to seize autonomy, that blessing became a curse. And that perfect relationship they had with God and with each other and with the world, it was broken and fractured in that moment. And from that, that point on, God began the process of restoring that broken relationship and reestablishing the blessing from the garden. And you see, we, we can't overestimate, we can't overemphasize the importance of these verses here in Genesis chapter 12 to our understanding of, of the narrative of Scripture because they mark a new beginning for humanity. Here in these verses, God is beginning the process of correcting the problem of sin. God is beginning to reconcile humanity to himself. He has scattered the nations, and now Abraham will be the vehicle through whom the world will be blessed. It's a new beginning in God's plan, a blessing. 
he gives him this command, Abraham, I need you to, I need you to go. I need you to leave. And he gives him a promise. I'm going to make you into a great na- nation. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to bless you. But there was a problem, a little bit of a problem with this promise God was, was making to, to Abraham. Being a great nation, it requires a couple of things. It requires some land, and it requires some kids. And Abraham has neither. In fact, that we're told that his wife was barren. She was unable to have children. He's hearing this promise. You're gonna be a great nation. But he has no land and he has no kids. That would be like God coming to me one day and saying, Matthew, I'm gonna make you into a great basketball player. Man, you're gonna be an NBA superstar. You're gonna win the NBA finals. You're gonna be an all-star. You're gonna be the greatest to ever play the game of basketball. And if God came to me, I would be like, all right, sign me up. That sounds great. But there's, there's, there's two problems. There's two issues. Um, one, I, I can't jump. And two, I can't shoot. But other than that, yeah, I think it, it all makes sense. I can't jump, I can't shoot. Abram's hearing, okay, I'm going to be a great nation, but I got no land and I got no kids. So I'm not really sure how this is gonna play out. It doesn't really seem to make sense, but listen to how Abraham responds to this promise, a promise that doesn't seem to make any sense. Verse four, so Abram departed. He left as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into the household at Haran, and he headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah, and at that time the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. So Abram, he, he hears this command and this promise from the Lord, a promise that makes no sense on paper. Like the math does not line up. It doesn't add up. A promise that seems impossible and a command that's gonna be uncomfortable and gonna push him out of his comfort zone and take him to a place that he doesn't know. And what does he do? He leaves just as the Lord instructed him. In fact, listen to how the the author of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went, he left without knowing where he was going. All Abraham had to go on when he left was a word from God. All he had was a promise from God. And yet he believed God and trusted him. Without knowing where he was gonna be going, without knowing how it was all gonna play out, when it didn't make sense, when it seemed impossible, he obeyed and he stepped out in faith. And isn't that what faith is all about? Moving from what is comfortable and safe to something that's uncomfortable? Moving from something that is known and familiar to something that's unfamiliar, doing something that doesn't add up on paper, doing something that doesn't make sense to the people around us, doing something that maybe doesn't even make sense to us. Like look, if we had answers to all of our questions up front, 
If, 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 if we knew how it would all play out, if we knew all the details and all the steps along the way of how God would put the pieces together, then there would no longer be a need for faith. But God, he's never going to work. He's never going to operate in our lives in such a way as to remove faith from the equation when it comes to following him. Because faith is our way of living a life that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord. In fact, the author of Hebrews tells us that it is impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. Because at the end of the day, faith is a matter of trust, isn't it? Do we trust God? Do we trust his character? Do we trust his word that he's given us? Do we trust his promises? And Abraham's story, it's, it's really no different than our story today. God is going to call us. God is going to invite us to trust him, to respond in faith, to move from the comfort of our lives into something that's uncomfortable, to move from what is familiar and known into the unknown. And God wants to develop in us this kind of faith, this level of faith, a faith that follows the Lord, a faith that responds in obedience to whatever it is God is asking from us, whatever it is that God is calling us to do. So Abraham, he, he steps out in faith. He obeys, he, he trusts. And look what it says in verse seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. You know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Corey unpacked the, the idea of, of covenant that is found in, in scripture. And a covenant, it's a binding agreement between two parties. It's an unbreakable agreement that, that, that two uh, parties make. And here, God is entering into a covenant, entering into this binding agreement with Abraham. And this covenant, it's a, it's a covenant of promise. He is promising to give Abraham land. He's promising to give him a descendants and a family and children, and he's promising to bless him. Saying, Abraham, the, the, the nations, the people of this earth, they have been scattered, and I am choosing you to be a blessing. I am going to bless you so that all people will be blessed through you. And we see this covenant that God makes with Abraham, we see this promise that he makes begin to be fulfilled throughout the Old Testament. We see God lining up the, the, the pieces. In fact, listen to what Psalm 22 says. Listen to how it's a, a fulfillment of this, uh, this covenant that God makes with Abraham. The whole earth, I mean, all people will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All families of the nations will bow down before him, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all nations. Psalms tells us, all people, all nations, they will be blessed. They will return to the Lord because of Abraham, because of this promise, because of this covenant. But you see, the New Testament, which Abraham, of course, did not have at the time, the New Testament, it sheds light on this covenant and on this promise, and it helps us today to understand who the true children, the true descendants of Abraham actually are. The true children of Abraham, they aren't descendants of just a particular people group. 
They're not descendants of just a a specific land or a specific nation. No, no, no. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians. He says that the real children of Abraham, the legitimate children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures, the Old Testament, looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, right in the sight of God because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share that same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Listen, this promise made to Abraham thousands of years ago, it has been fulfilled today through the church, through the body of Christ. Christians, believers, those who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus for salvation, they are the fulfillment of this promise made to Abraham. Meaning that today, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your faith and your trust in Jesus for salvation, then you are a child of Abraham. You are a child of this covenant that God made with Abraham. And we have received the same blessing that Abraham received. We've received that same blessing. And just like Abraham, here's our big idea for today, we have been blessed to be a blessing. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a child of this covenant, if you are a child of of Abraham, of this promise, you have been blessed, not just for your own benefit, not just for you to hold on to it. You have been blessed to be a blessing. So what does that look like? How do we live this out, being a blessing to others? For the next few minutes, what I wanna do is just look at at, at three simple, practical ways that we can be a blessing to others because we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing. First one is this, we can be a blessing through missions. Be a blessing through missions. You see, just like Abraham, God has given us a very clear command. During uh, Jesus' final moments here on earth, as his, his earthly ministry was, was winding down, he, he gathered together all of his disciples, all of those who were, were following him, and he gave them one last command, final marching orders. And in Matthew chapter 28, a verse that, that's very familiar to many of you, Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is the command? To make disciples of all nations. And listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, man, this is your mandate. These are your marching orders. This is your purpose, your reason for for existing, to fulfill this great commission, to make disciples of all nations. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are part of this mission and this movement that has been changing the world for the past 2,000 years. And here's the good news. Here's the encouraging news. You are on the winning side of it. 
Like the, the Bible tells us that the church is going to prevail in reaching the nations and reaching all people groups prior to the return of Jesus. In fact, listen to what Jesus said just a few chapters before in Matthew 24. And the good news about the kingdom, the good news of salvation through Jesus, it will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations, all people groups will hear it and then the end will come. You see, we, we know, we understand from Scripture that God's will, God's will, God's heart, God's desire is for every people group to hear the good news of salvation and to come to know him. Like God's heart is for the entire world. It is for all people. And that has been crystal clear to us since God made this promise and entered into this covenant with Abraham. So like this isn't something that we need to, to pray about today. God, do you really want us to go? God, do you really care? God, do you really want us to, 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 to be on mission? This isn't something we need to pray about or seek God's will about. He has made his will and his heart clear to us. We simply need to go and to support those who are going. And you see, here at Bell Shoals, we are serious. We are passionate about fulfilling this great commission that Jesus has given us to make disciples of, of all nations. You know, back in, in September, at our combined campus celebration, Pastor Corey laid out six strategic goals for the next seven years for us as a, as a church. And when you, when you look at these, these goals, you may be wondering, okay, where did we come up with these goals? Where did they come from? Well, most of these goals are from, directly, this passage here, from the Great Commission. You see, over the, the next seven years, we want to see 1,200 people follow Jesus and baptism. Now, we can't control when somebody makes a decision. We can't force them to do that. But if we're seeing 1,200 people follow Jesus in baptism, that means that our people here are reaching people who don't know Jesus. That means our people are sharing their faith. That means our people are inviting. People are coming to know Jesus and placing their, their trust in him. That's a fulfillment of the, the, the Great Commission. We want to see 700 members from our church be a part of an intentional discipleship group, something that we call a D group. These are groups that, 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 that meet for nine to 12 months, four to six people of the same, same gender. They meet every single week. They study God's word together. They pray together. They hold each other accountable. They make sure that they're having faith conversations. And at the end of the nine to 12 months, the goal is for that group to replicate, that they would go and start new groups and disciple more and more people. And we want to see 1,000 members of our church, 1,000 members of our church go on a mission trip over the next seven years. 1,000 people on mission. You see, we understand, we believe here at Bell Shoals that we have been blessed. We've been blessed tremendously. And the reason we have been blessed is so that we can be a blessing to the world. And we want you to be a part of that. We don't want you to just sit on the sideline. We want you to get in the game. We want you to be a part of that. And maybe for some of you, when it comes to missions, that means for you, it's, 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 it's supporting financially and giving to, 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 our, to our missions and to our trips. Maybe for you, it's, it's supporting and praying for somebody who's going, supporting and praying for, for a team that's going. But we want to see you go too. We want to see you go on a mission trip to step out of your comfort zone, to take that step of faith and obedience and to go. 
And listen, I know there's so many reasons why you feel like you can't. There's, there's, there's a number of excuses, and they're probably legitimate. You're like, man, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. It's just too much. Like, I'm looking at the price of the trip, and I'm looking at our budget and inflation. I don't know how we're going to have the margin to afford to go on this trip. Or, man, I don't have the time. I can't give up a week at work. I can't be away from my family for a week. Or look, even if I went, I, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to have a conversation with somebody. Listen, I, 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 don't, I don't know what the, the, the reason is. I don't know what the holdup is. But can I encourage you today? Step out in faith. Step out in obedience. Move from what's comfortable and safe and familiar into something that's uncomfortable. And watch what God begins to do in your life. God will begin to grow you and to stretch you. Going on a mission trip will change your perspective on life. And it will ignite a a greater passion and desire in your heart to see people come to know Jesus. And man, I'm I'm so excited that we as a church are finally able to, to, to really start going again. Now, I haven't been on a, a mission trip in over three years because of, because of COVID, and finally, this July, I'm getting to, to go back on a, on a mission trip. Yes, it's good news. This year, we have 15 mission teams that are going from our church. In fact, we have a team that's headed to Mexico City just next Saturday. We're going to see 150 to 180 members of our church go on mission this year to step out in faith, step out in obedience, and we want you to be a part of one of these trips because it will change your life, I can guarantee you that, and it will be a blessing to the world. We can be a blessing through missions by going and giving and praying and supporting, but listen, missions isn't just about a change in location. It's not just about getting on a plane and flying to another country. Missions is also about being a blessing, secondly, in your place of influence. Being a blessing in your place of influence. God has placed you where you are on purpose for a purpose. Your place of work, the school that you go to, the community, the neighborhood that you live in, you are not there by accident. You are there to be a blessing. You are there to carry out and to fulfill this great commission that Jesus has given us to make disciples. And if we're really gonna do this, if we're going to see our place of influence as a place where we can make a difference, it's gonna require a change in our mindset. It's gonna require a new set of lens on how we view it. You have to begin to see where you are as a mission field, as a place that you have been sent by God. And it's gonna require a greater level of intentionality, a greater level of of, of purpose. And you have to realize you aren't there just for you. Like you're not at your place of work just to earn a paycheck and just to build your career. You're not at your school just to get an education. You're not in your neighborhood just so you have a place to live. You are there for the people around you. God has placed you there for your coworker. God has placed you there for that classmate that you sit by. God has placed you there 
for, your, for that neighbor. You have been sent by God on purpose to be a blessing. And this is something that, that God has really been working on in, in my life over the past year. You know, with my, my job as a, as a pastor, during the work week, I'm not typically around a whole lot of people who don't know Jesus. Uh, all, hopefully, of my coworkers have a relationship with Jesus. So most of the, the time that I spend with people during the week is around people who know Jesus. But that's not the case when it comes to my neighborhood. I have been placed there by God on purpose. But listen, over, over the years, this is kind of how I've, I've operated when it comes to, to my neighborhood and my neighbors. Um, I'll kind of pull in the, uh, the, the neighborhood at the end of a day, might see somebody out in the yard and I'm driving, and if I'm in a good mood, they may get a little, little wave, a little, little head nod, hey, what's up? And then I pull in my driveway, I open the garage door, I pull in the garage, I close the garage door, and then I get out of my car and I go inside. And I've always said, look, I'm not a bad neighbor. I don't have a boat parked in front of my house. I'm not, I'm not a bad neighbor. I'm just an invisible neighbor. It's like I don't even live there. But God has placed me there on purpose. God has placed me there not just for me. God has placed me there to be a blessing. And I'll tell you, my, my wife is, is amazing at this. She intentionally builds relationships with our neighbors. She'll slow down long enough to stop and to have a conversation with them. She looks for ways to, to serve them and, and encourage them. She invites them to church. She invites them to the Easter Family Fun Fest. Like she sees her, her role in the neighborhood like she has been sent there by God. That is her mission field. She has been called to be a blessing. And just imagine the difference that we as a church would make in our community if we really went to work, went to school, went to our neighborhoods each day with this mindset. Like if we lived with that level of intentionality, that level, level of purpose, like maybe you're in a job that you just don't like and it's not your, your, your dream career and you're just looking for how can I get to the next thing already? Man, but God has you there right now for a reason. Maybe you're in high school right now and you're just trying to get to graduation, you're done, you're checked out, but God has you where you are right now in that class, next to that classmate for a purpose. Maybe you hate your neighborhood. Maybe you have the worst HOA ever. Maybe your neighbor always leaves their trash cans out, but God has placed you next to them for a purpose, to be a blessing to them. God has sent you there for a reason. See, we can be a blessing through missions by going and praying and supporting. We can be a blessing to others through our place of influence. And finally, we can be a blessing through our children. You know, there's this story in the beginning of, of 1 Samuel that I've read, read many times over the years. 1 Samuel is probably my favorite book in the Old Testament. And before having kids, I would just kind of blow past this story to try to get to the good stuff. Saul and, and, and David, I didn't really think much of it. But since having kids, it is impossible for me to just blow by this, this story. It stops me in my, my, my tracks every time. See, there's this woman named, named Hannah, and she was unable to, to have children. And she began to, to plead with God, to, to beg with God, to give her, give her kids, to give her, to give her a son. 
And one year she's at the temple and she's making this, this offering to, to the Lord and she's praying and she makes this promise to God. She says this, if you will give me a son, then I will give him back to you. And he will be yours for his entire lifetime. She makes this promise to God. And God hears her prayer and God answers her prayer. And God blesses her with, with a son, with what she wanted most. And listen, to how she responds. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 24. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me, Hannah asked. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked him, to give me this boy, and he granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and they worshiped the Lord there. She said, I am giving him to the Lord. He will belong to the Lord his whole life. What? Like what an act of faith, what an act of obedience. God has blessed her with a child. He has answered her, her prayers, prayers that she had been praying for years. He's given her what she wanted most in this world. But she understood that she had been blessed to be a blessing. And one of the greatest ways that she could be a blessing was by giving her son to the Lord being open-handed with what she loved and what she valued most. Now listen, I'm not encouraging you to give your kids to our church. I don't want, we don't wanna show up tomorrow morning with a bunch of kids out on the, the steps out there with a suitcase and a for free sign on their, on their chest. Like that's, that's not what we're asking. But if God has blessed you with children, they are meant to be a blessing, not just to you and not just to your family, but to the world. Andy Stanley says this, your greatest contribution to the world may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And I would say your greatest blessing to the world may not be something that you do, something that you accomplish, something that you achieve. Your greatest blessing to the world may not even be your own personal ministry, but the children that you raise. And if that is gonna be true for you and for your family, it's gonna require you to be open-handed with your kids. And that's hard. Because our children are the most important thing to us. We hold on tight because we feel like they're, they're ours. We want to protect them and keep them safe and set them up for success. But at the end of the day, our children, they don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord, and he has entrusted us with the privilege, the blessing, the responsibility of raising them to be a blessing. Now, look, I'm, I'm real early in the parenting game. I have a three-year-old and, and I have a 10-month-old, so I'm, I'm not speaking about this from, from personal experience. I haven't been there, done that. I don't have it all figured out. But I had the privilege for, for six years as a student pastor getting to partner with many parents who got this. 
Parents who understood that their, their goal in parenting wasn't simply for their kids to get the best possible grades. Not just to, to bring home A's on the report card or get a 4.0, that the, the, the goal wasn't just for their kid to be on the best travel ball team or the most elite AAU team. The goal wasn't to just get into the dream school and get all the scholarships. The goal wasn't just for them to behave well. The goal, the, the guiding star in their parenting was for their kids to know Jesus and to make much of Jesus. And they were open-handed with their children. They entrusted their children to the Lord and they are now being a blessing to the world through their children, through the kids that they raised. What would happen if we approached our families and our parenting with this mindset that we have been blessed with children, not just for our own good, but we have been blessed with children in order to raise them to be a blessing to the world? How is God calling you to be a blessing? How is God calling you to be a blessing today? Maybe for you it, it is missions. You know, going on a mission trip is something you've been putting off for a long time. You've got a, a, a bunch of reasons why, a bunch of, uh, of excuses, but this year God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone what is safe, what's familiar, what makes sense, and to leave and to go and to trust him. Maybe for you, it's your, your place of influence. And you show up to work just looking to leave. You show up to school just trying to get through the day. You just live in your neighborhood, and, and God is saying, no, no, no. I have placed you there on purpose. You may not love it. You may not like it right now, but you are there for a reason. You're there for more than you. You are there for the people around you. Maybe for you, it's your, your children, the way that you, you, you parent, the things that you celebrate with your children. You're not just celebrating grades and sports, but you're, you're celebrating them making a difference for Jesus. But whatever it is, we need to respond the same way Abraham did when God called him to, to leave and to go. We need to respond with faith and obedience. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it scares us, even if it's uncomfortable, because we have been created to make much of Jesus in our lives and through our lives. And we have been blessed to be a blessing.